This is Guitar Talk. To me, it just seems like there are endless possibilities. One of the things I like to find out, you know, how people got influenced in the play and the guitar, because stories are so unique. The trick is not to feel pressured to conform. If you know anything about Joel, he's been around the block. He's probably one of the most sought-after guitar players. How would you create that song? How would you turn that song into your song? There's not a guitar player on this planet that I personally don't follow closer. It's it's not something that you see too often. I only know a few players that do it. Now, from the home of the blues, Chicago, Illinois, welcome to Guitar Talk with your host, Jimmy Warren. All right, everybody, Jimmy Warren here. Welcome to Guitar Talk. Thank you so much for tuning in to another Wednesday episode. Uh, I don't know where you're listening to it at, but, you know, let me know, man. I don't know, do you follow me on social media? Because if you don't, you really need to. You know, there's Guitar Talk on on Facebook, but you can follow me, Jimmy Warren, at Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. And then, of course, you know, make sure you're subscribing to GuitarTalkOfficial.com. So much going on. For instance, this episode is brought to you by Charlie and John Strings. Yep, I use them. They're uh, I've been I was with another uh, string company for 32 years, and I switched. It took an awful lot to make me switch, but they're handmade, hand wound. All the materials made right here in the U.S. Look at I did 11 gigs, 11. Didn't have to change strings. I mean, they stayed vibrant that whole time. I mean, I'm amazed. I'm actually, you know, I'm still going. I'm going to wait and see how long I can go. All I do is wipe them down at the end. So they're vibrant. They last long. It's charlieandjohns.com. Also, too, uh, make sure you're checking out guitarsforvets.org. Guitars for Vets is an organization that helps veterans with PTSD through the gift of guitar. They're sponsored by Gibson and Yamaha. They have ambassadors such as Sully Ernest, Scott, uh, Ian from Anthrax, uh, Tommy Emanuel, and, of course, myself. Uh, You want to make sure that you're going to their website at guitarsforvets.org. See how you can help them out. Because our veterans, uh, you know, they suffer from this stuff, man. They do. You know, suicide's a real thing in that world. And uh, if we can, you know, bring some joy, if we can relieve some tension, whatever whatever we can do to make life a little bit better for them, well, then, you know, it's well worth it. So go to guitarsforvets.org and see how you can help them out. Now, there's so much going on at Guitar Talk Official. We're constantly growing in that uh, as it sits right now, you know what? We've got a ton of uh, gear demos that are going to be coming your way. The Rowan Music Company has sent us their 3000 series mini pedals. So we got a bunch of them delays, chorus, loopers, dumblers, etc. We're doing a bunch of uh, uh, demos for them right now. Uh, we've got the uh, Plexi Ranger by Carl Martin. We've got the Red Bear by Vex Audio. We've got the Buster Brown by Analog Effects. So much. Yeah, so much going on. So you want to keep an eye out on Guitar Talk Official for the release of those demos. Also, too, we got a brand new video series that's going to be coming to you 
as well, starting August 29th. It's going to be interviews from the road. That's right. You know what? Bands are back out on tour. You know, they're starting to get around. And so it gives me an opportunity when they come to the Chicago area to go check them out and interview them live from their uh, show. So we're going to launch the first one August 29th, which is a Sunday at 5 p.m. Central Standard Time. You're going to be able to get it at Guitar talkofficial.com at Guitar Talk TV and then of course uh, on YouTube and uh, my first guests are going to be Chuck and Ryan the guitarist for the uh, rock band Blacktop Mojo man great band great players uh, really good guys you're going to enjoy this uh, I went to the Forge in Joliet Illinois which is a rock club over there where they were playing at and we just had a good time, man. We talked about guitars and amps and music and all kinds of really cool stuff. And so you're going to enjoy this. So watch out for that. That's called Interviews from the Road. Yeah, right here on Guitar Talk. So today, though, you know what? The interview isn't from the road, but my guest is no stranger to the road for sure. It's been around a long time. He's been playing the blues, blues rock circuit for a very long time. He calls Florida home. He was the guitarist for Hubert Sumlin, who Hubert Sumlin was the guitarist for Howlin' Wolf. Uh, he's been on the, the blues circuit, as I said, for you know uh, quite a long time. And he's got a new album out, which is a tribute to Hubert Sumlin. He's got a uh, new label that he's on. So we're going to talk about all that stuff. We had the opportunity to sit down and discuss all those things and a lot more. You're going to enjoy this. So when it's all over with, make sure you go to seanchambers.com. You grab the album. You find out when he's touring through your area. And then you go. And then when you see him, you say, hey, I heard you on Guitar Talk with Jimmy Warren. Don't sound too bad. <laughs> All right. So here we go. Without further ado, we got Mr. Sean Chambers right here on Guitar Talk. Jimmy. Sean, what's going on, buddy? Not much, bro. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Cool. Um, I'm just figuring out the Zoom thing here. I've done some Skype stuff. I just want to make sure. I actually did one interview via Skype and forgot to turn on the the mute was on. <laughs> I did, so I don't want to waste anybody's time. So you, you know what I uh, I did an interview with somebody. And I'm not going to say who it was because if they find out, they might get mad at me. Right. And uh, they were late. Really. And I usually wait. You know. I mean, I usually wait. You know, ten, fifteen minutes or so, something like that. Yeah, and I had it. I put the record on pause because normally I start recording all right away. Right, and it came on about five or six minutes later, and I had the record pause the entire <laughs> five minutes that we talked, and so I felt <laughs> I felt so bad, and I didn't know how to go back and say, ah, uh, you know, I really screwed the pooch here. Right. Anyway, I can get another hour of your time. And <laughs> <laughs> you know, we can redo this one. <laughs> nah, no, there was no way to redo it, but you know, yeah. hopefully they'll forgive me and next time it'll be better. How you yeah, been, man? I've been doing pretty good, you know. Um just dealing with this whole COVID ordeal and uh gigs are starting to slowly trickle back in and uh you know, I'm looking forward to twenty twenty two. We're gonna be doing some planning in twenty twenty one, but um of course I got a new album coming out and um but 2022, I'm looking forward to, you know, hitting the road again on more of a full-time basis, hopefully. Yeah. yeah. I know it's been, it's been, a, 
it's been a long time since we talked. I think it's, yeah. oh my God, I think it's been like six or seven years at least. Has it really? Yeah, it's been that long. Yeah. It's been a while. It's been too long then. Yeah, you look younger. I look older, but that's cool. I don't know about that. <laughs> maybe, via, maybe via Zoom, I look younger. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So you got a lot of really good things going on in your life, and uh, we're going to talk about those things, uh, but I also want to talk about your guitar playing too. So before we uh, jump into the guitar stuff, you signed with a new label. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah thank you very much. Cordo Valley Records um, is going to be releasing my new album, which is a tribute to Hubert Sumlin. Yeah. Uh, it's called That's What I'm Talking About, and which was a saying that Huber used to say a lot. He'd go, that's what I'm talking about, especially when you did something he liked or, you know, said something he could, you know, relate to or something. Yeah. Um, it was actually recorded in March 2020, before, right before the pandemic hit. And we flew up to Jersey to do it March 1st, and we were supposed to go to Europe March 9th. And as we were recording the album, the pandemic started really blowing up, especially in the New Jersey, New York area. Yeah. which is where we recorded and um we recorded the album uh we had to cancel our trip to europe a couple days before we left and um <clears throat> thankfully we did because we probably wouldn't be able to come back you know because they closed everything down shortly right. after that. Right. and um sadly my good friend and producer who did this album and my last two albums passed away in april about a month and a half after that session Oh, and so the nice. yeah, it was. I'm still still can't really wrap my head around it. He was a great guy, great friend, um, great guy guy to work with and work for. Taught me a lot about recording and you know working in the studio. Yeah, um, yeah. so the records kind of been in a limbo for over a year, and then Quarter Valley Records stepped in and and now they're taking over the reins. I couldn't be happier, and I know that that Ben's really thought highly highly of uh, Quarter Valley because um. Kim Simmons and Savoy Brown actually were in recording their album with Ben just before I recorded mine, and they're with Cordo Valley. Yeah. Um, Kim Simmons really thought a lot about, about Ben because he was like more of an old school guy. He's a guitar guy. He knew how to get your good sounds. And um, he spoke really highly of Cordo Valley um, as well, you know, working with Kim Simmons and Savoy Brown and and uh, some of the you know artists that are on the, the label there at Cordo. Yeah. Before, before that, were you independent um before uh before uh american showplace where i did my last couple albums oh okay i i didn't realize i thought you were i thought you did those independently no they were on american showplace records which um my last album welcome to my blues and then the one before that trouble and whiskey my yeah. previous two albums were on american showplace which is where i also recorded the new album got it um, and then before that, I was on an independent label called Blue Heat Records. And then going way back, I was on Vestage Records, which was a small independent label back to my first first couple albums. Yeah. So you haven't been on your own at all? You no, I've never label. really had my own label or been on my own as far as record label wise. You know, I've yeah. booked myself here and there and had some booking agents and then been in between booking agents and stuff like that. But I've always had some kind of label with some kind of distribution uh, I've been lucky in that regard, you know, I think. Yeah, that's really cool. And so what inspired, well, I'm, I'm going to guess it's the relationship that inspired the album, the tribute to Hubert. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's funny because shortly before I left, I stopped playing with Hubert. We, uh, I was involved with one of his records. I played on one song um, and it was actually done at American Showplace Studios with Ben Elliott. That's the first time I met Ben Elliott was when I was playing with Hubert. Um, and then things kind of came full circle and, 
you know, like 17, 18 years later, um, I ended up getting signed by Ben and um, did Trouble and Whiskey, Welcome to My Blues, and then this new album. So Cordo Valley is not only releasing, that's what I'm talking about, the new album. They also bought my back catalog, my last two albums, um, from Ben's partner uh, in Showplace. Um, So that's that's the rundown on that. Cool, cool. So... uh, so you've had this thing done for a while and you've just been kind of sitting on it. That's got to be hard. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's got to be really hard. You know, I know so many guys have struggled with that this year. Do I release singles? Do I release the album? I mean, what the hell do I do? Yeah. Well, a lot of time, I mean, the whole, the the whole premise behind releasing an album is releasing the album and then touring behind it. Yeah. So with this whole COVID thing, I mean, people have been releasing albums, which I think is great, but, can't really tour behind it and we're releasing our album um july 9th actually the, the original release date was in june but it's changed to july 9th now okay. and and um yeah we're gonna be we're gonna be doing some uh, cd release shows in july and august through my home state of florida mm-hmm. and then in september we're hitting the road for like two weeks up through the midwest like kansas um iowa nebraska you know um indiana some places like that yeah, I saw you were going to be at the Red Shed in Hutchinson. Yeah, never played there before, but I've heard great things about it. Yeah, I'm I'm there in October. Are you? Yeah. Oh, great, great, yeah, yeah. great. To answer, to go back to answer your question, because I think I got distracted and they didn't answer you, but um, you know, Ben Elliott, before we recorded this album, to answer how he came up with the idea of doing the tribute to Hubert, I'd always, you know, it's been a, it's been almost twenty years since I played with Hubert. It's been mm-hmm. quite a while, and um. I've always wanted to do some kind of tribute, whether it's a song or an album or something for Hubert. Mm-hmm. And I've just, you know, timing plays a, a big role in a lot of how, how that stuff comes about. And um, so Ben said, it's time to do another album. We need, you know, what have you got written? I said, well, I've got a bunch of bits and pieces written, but nothing really complete. And we were talking about, you know, concepts and ideas for the album. And I said, you know, I've always wanted to do a tribute to Hubert, which again is the way me and Ben, Ben and I originally met. And, um, then said that's perfect let's do a tribute album to hubert yeah and i said man that okay that'd be great so there's actually you know 10 songs that were done by hubert and wolf that i played when i was with hubert and then one original song i wrote called hubert song and that's kind of like a dedication to hubert from for me mm-hmm. on the album that's really cool i i i got the pleasure of meeting hubert one time you know, and uh, he was, you know what? I always find it fascinating when you can meet a piece of musical history. Yeah. You know, that's, you know, that's one of the things I loved about the old days of starting out in Chicago, because back then there were so many of them around. Right. You know, and if you were in the circle, you, you got to, at some point in time, you were on stage with them, you know, if yeah if you play. And uh, I think it's really cool, you know, to turn around and do a, a tribute to him like that. Because Well, thank you. You know, it's something I just, you know, it comes from my heart. And it's something that, um, that uh, you know, I did with him in mind. And, and uh, you know, I, ho- I hope he would be proud. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure he would. Uh, I'm sure you. he would. So cool. So, so this year is just going to be some scattered dates. And you're not going to get too excited about it. But you're really putting all your eggs in the... 2022 basket. That's yeah, you know, I'm excited about playing again. Yeah. I mean, actually, you can see my 
see my finger. It's uh, I, I started playing the other day and <laughs> bu- busted a, a callus open because my calluses on my finger are so soft. My yeah. fingers. So getting my fingers toughened back up, and um, I'm excited to get that get out there and play again. Even though, like you said, there's scattered dates. Yeah. Um, I'm just expecting for 2022 to be more of on a full time basis again, but. Yeah, you know, I'm just looking forward to get out there and playing and getting back out on the road, seeing some friends, seeing some fans and playing some yeah. music, you know? Yeah, I think you, it's going to be later this year and into early next year where you're going to start to see everything kind of fall. Because right now, I mean, all the guys that I talk to in Europe, everything's shut down. Yeah, I know um, we're supposed to be in, in Europe in October and that's still kind of up in the air. So, I mean, I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Yeah, yeah. You know, There's been so many bands that have booked their tours and canceled and booked and canceled and they're finally to the place to where just we're just gonna let it go and see what happens and that's what do you what do you what have you been doing your calluses are soft you would think that you have (laughs) nothing but time to play right what i mean so what have you been doing yeah i mean coloring books yeah, I like coloring books. Yeah. <laughs> no, actually, you know, um, since the COVID thing, I, I took on a part-time day gig um, at an, a big RV dealership here in Fort Myers. Yeah. And I'm moving, basically moving buses around on the property, moving them in and out of the service bays and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and I play, you know, um, it's funny. I was talking to Bruce Katz, who played keyboards um, on, on the album, as well as John Ginty played, uh, sat in and played a couple as well uh, on the Hammond B3. But I was talking to Bruce and he said, you know, everybody's asking me, you know, you must have a, a ton of songs written, from, you know, because you've been around sitting around doing nothing for 15 months or 14 months. And he said, actually, no, because it's been so uninspiring. Yeah, you know, yeah. It hasn't been inspiring to write. And I said, it's been kind of the same with me. I haven't, you know, I've been working my part time day gig. I'll come home and play some guitar and stuff. But I, to be honest, I haven't done a whole lot of writing. I've got yeah. some tidbits put together, you know, but um. By no means do I have like a whole catalog written uh, that I've done since the whole COVID time. Yeah. Um, well, I, I figured some of you guys, you know, would go into this, you know, uh, the artists that you are and come out, you know, like guitar virtuosos, you know, like, <laughs> like like Sean Marty Friedman slash Chambers, you know. Kind of <laughs> right, right. You know, because... You know, I, I don't know, but I, I know for me, man, I have spent so much time playing guitar. That's great. That's you know, great. over this time, I mean, I've absolutely loved it. You know, I hate to yeah. say that the downtime has been a, a good time. You know, to some degree, but uh, that's good to hear, man. I guess it's yeah. been a different experience for everybody. You know, yeah, little yeah. things like the calluses when you're playing all the time, just the calluses on your fingers, you take for granted. You know, and then <laughs> the other night, because we're getting ready to do a video here in a couple of weeks for a single off the new album, and uh. So I was really woodshedding and getting my stuff back together, like playing three or four hours a night and split my finger open one of these uh, soft calluses. So now it's healing up. Going, yeah. man, now I'm kind of like, wow, because that's never really happened, you know? Take yeah. little things like that for granted, yeah. <laughs> man, I, I've had, I've had you know, where the fingers start to bleed and stuff. It, you, yeah. I don't, I don't know about you, I carry super glue in my case. Do you? Yeah, yeah I do. I tried putting a little super glue on it and um, I bent, slid down, and the, it, the string went right up under the super glue and just <laughs> ripped it right off. So, you know, I tried the little tips, the, the, um, the, uh, they have these gorilla little rubber fingertips you can put on. Yeah. And those just, I mean, I guess they're more for acoustic guitar players that have sore calluses. Yeah. You no, know, but if you try to do any kind of sawing or anything, they just start coming off. Just, yeah. It doesn't work I for me. So I, I just have to kind of ease back into it, you know? 
Well, every time I've seen you, you've had a Strat in your hand pretty much. Yeah. You know, that seems to be uh, your go-to guitar. I mean. Uh, it is. Yeah. Why is that? I, I don't know. It's just um, the Strat just feels good in my hands. I like the way it sounds. Yeah. I guess it's kind of like a race car. I mean, you can drive any car out there, but the everybody has their preference of their, their own car. It's funny because some of my favorite players like Gary Moore and Billy Gibbons and um, um, the list goes on and on, you know, Freddie King. I mean, a lot of guys that I listen to play Gibsons, you know, yeah. less um, but um, a lot of my favorite guys play strats as well, but I've had, I've had Gibson Les Pauls, you know, but I always just end up reverting back to the strat. You know, I just, just the feel the sound and, um, that's, that's about the only way I can explain it. I love Gibsons. You know, they're a little bit, they're a little bit heavy, yeah. Uh, yeah. a little bit top heavy, but, uh, I mean, I, other than that, um, I don't know. I've just always gravitated towards the Stratocaster. Yeah. Now are your strats, are they, um, are they stock or are there things that you do to your guitar? doesn't matter which guitar it is. Like if you got, if you went out and bought a Strat, you would automatically do this to it. Is it like that? Are they all different? Are they all configured the same? And are they stock or not? Well, I have a Strat. It's actually a Mexican Strat that I bought in about 1991 that I played with Hubert a lot. And I still have that. Mm -hmm. And um, the only thing I did differently in that is I, I, I changed the, um, the bridge pickup mm -hmm. to a DiMarzio hot rail, just so I can go on my, my, my low, my low pick, my low uh, selector switch and get more of a hot tone. Yeah. Um, that one's pretty much stock. Usually if, I mean, if I haven't bought a guitar from the music store in years, but usually I would buy something that I like the sound of already. Now I have the, the white strap that I use pretty much primarily all the time was given to me by a good friend of mine who passed away years ago. And I wasn't crazy about the sound of it. You know, it sat in my room for a couple of years and it had stock pickups in it. And my old manager, um, his name is Steve Einzig out of New York, sent me a pair of Lindy Fralin pickups. And so one day I was bored and I was sitting around and I said, man, let me, let me stick these Lindy Fralin pickups in the Strat. And that made it really come to life, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, so ever since then, the last 11, 12 years, I've been playing this. Uh, um, it's actually a Japanese Strat. And I've had plenty of American Strats. And, you know, you, you know, every piece of wood's different. You could get, a Japanese Strat that sounds like crap, American Strat sounds great, or vice versa. But this Japanese Strat I have, um, once I put the Lindy Fairland pickups in it, man, it made it come to life. And that's the only thing I really did different to it, because I just changed the pickups. Yeah, those are, those are great pickups. Yeah, I like them a lot. Yeah, yeah. You know what? People get hung up on the American versus made in Mexico versus Japanese, you know, and uh, I don't know about you, even though I love the Japanese made strats, I think I think that they're really high quality guitars. Mm -hmm. I, I got to tell you, out of the, you know, 70 some guitars I got, I, I can't even tell you, I think I probably got maybe 10 or 11 Mexican strats. Do you? Yeah, I love Mexican strats. I don't know about you. I well, for me, it's like I I look at the body and the neck. If the if I love the way that it feels on me and I like the neck on the guitar, I'll buy it. You know, or if if I'm looking for a guitar, right? Because I'm gonna gut it anyway. You know, I don't have any of them that you know are are stock like that. But right. But the, the quality of the guitar, I mean, within itself is, I mean, 
Yeah. Do they have a lot of the Mexican strats you have? Do they have rosewood necks on them or maple? They all, I don't have any maple. No maple. Yeah, me neither. The rose. I have a rosewood neck on my um, Mexican strat, which I've had since literally like more than half my life. And um, but the one that I still play, the one I play has a maple neck on it. Yeah. Um, but it still sounds great. I play both. I just tend to play the the white strat more primarily yeah. you know yeah. but uh, that's one thing i know this is the mexican strats usually have the rosewood necks on them yeah yeah it, it, all the strats that i have every one of them have even all my tellies i got 14 tellies and they all have wow. ro rosewood you got a lot of guitars <laughs> a couple that's, <laughs> but, great. that's great but i did recently i did buy i just recently purchased well within the last year or so uh an ibanez prestige uh-huh uh man what an amazing guitar really you know, i yeah i mean i absolutely love it i've been a strat guy my entire life even oh. though if i was stranded on a desert island i'd own a telly you know because i just right. feel the telly is just a great all-around guitar oh man yeah very versatile yeah exactly yeah. but yep. the, but the prestige is really nice and it was the first guitar i ever bought it's got a roasted maple neck. It's the only guitar I ever got that had, you know, maple. Mm -hmm. that. But it nice. plays it plays great, man. It's nice, great. I bet. I bet. Yeah. So okay. So you're you're not a a closet Godin fan, or you got a Parker in the in the not, mix? <laughs> no, not really. I don't. I don't really have a ton of gear. Um, I've got you know maybe about uh, five or six guitars, yeah. maybe seven, and. Um, you know, uh, speaking of off-brand stuff, that's you know, a lot of guys play Fender, Fender amps and stuff. I, I actually use a um, uh, Mahalo amp, and I run it in stereo with a Crate V50. Really? Yeah, and a lot of people say Crate because that's you know, you know. But man, I'll tell you, those two together in stereo sound great. Do they? And every once in a while, I'll have a 15-inch um, uh, extension cabinet. I'll run with them and. Uh, so so how are, are you running them both identical i mean or do you use one more for a clean channel and one more for the the drive section or are they both on all the time they're yeah they're both on all the time i run one a little cleaner one a little dirtier mm -hmm. and then i i just have a stereo chorus pedal where you can plug in each amp to the left side and then you have right. one out coming out for your guitar yeah. um but yeah but i don't a b them and like switch back and forth between the amps they're just right. on all the time. Um, and like I said, one's a little cleaner, one's a little dirtier. Yeah. That's, that's a nice setup though. I like, I like to, to run it, but you just said that you just got a chorus pedal. So you're not a, you're not a pedals guy, huh? You don't have this great big giant monster. No, I've actually, I've got, I use a, um, I actually use two chorus pedals. I use one so I can run my two amps and I just got a little bit of core. I mean, you probably couldn't even hardly tell. Just a right. little bit of chorus just to fatten it up just a little bit through the stereo chorus pedal. Yeah. And then I have an old boss chorus pedal that ha just has rate and um rate and a level. Yeah. And Chris Dorte actually taught me this trick. If you turn the rate to like two o'clock and the level all the way up, it kind of simulates a guitar Leslie. Yeah. So for certain stuff, I'll use that to simulate the guitar Leslie just off and on here and there. Yeah. Um, so those are the two chorus pedals. And then I have an OCD overdrive and a Vox Wah pedal. That's my, set, that's my setup. Yeah. Well, those are all, those are all great. I love the Vox Wah, of course, and the OCD you can't go wrong with. Yeah. I think the Vox Wah is a little fatter and 
Mm-hmm. And uh, has a little more more mid range and a low end than the crybaby, you know. Yeah, Walker, which is a really popular one too. Yeah, there's yeah. so much stuff on the market nowadays, though. I've you know, I've always been the kind of guy that once I find something that works for me, I use it for like a decade. <laughs> you know, what I mean, I've, I've never I've never really you know been a gearhead and had like 20 amps sitting around and you know the, you know 100 pedals. I usually find something that I'm comfortable with that I like and the. And then I just go with it for quite a while until something breaks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I got to change something else. So have you fooled around with any of the uh, digital gear? Like Not a Fred really. or Kemper or anything like that? No, I really haven't, to be honest with you. Yeah. Now, I mean, I've, 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 I've messed around, you know, in the studio and um, and at some friends' houses and stuff that have that stuff, but never a lot in a live situation or anything. Even in a studio situation, I'm always running amp, you know, amps mic'd up. Yeah, so you didn't use any plugins or anything like that, you know, no. for amps. Yeah. Nope. That's cool. Just turn that. Just now, do you use an attenuator? Um, I don't use an attenuator. No. When I did no. my last album, Ben Elliott, who was a guitar freak, I mean, he's he was a guitar guy. If yeah. you if you, if you play guitar, he would you would want him to record you. He actually had nine amps set up for me. Um, yeah. in the guitar room when I got to New Jersey on March 1st, 2020, all <laughs> running together. And he would have his, he would run a few of them at a time for certain songs, yeah. you know, and try to find that one tone and that one sound running maybe like the Marshall with the Fender or, um, you know, a Fender with the Mahalo or, you know, pairing them up somehow. But, uh, I got pictures of it. There'll probably be a picture, a couple pictures in the liners of the album, but it was literally a room with nine amps. I mean, it was, and it was just, uh, it was, a, it was a, quite a sight. Beautiful. <laughs> That's really cool. Well, I yeah, can't wait. Kid. I can't wait to hear the album because I've liked all the other work that you've done. You know, thank I think, you. I think thank you're really talented, man. Thank you so much, man. Likewise, too. I like your stuff as well. <laughs> I appreciate that. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. So, uh, so I guess the I need to know because I, I I've never found this out. Are you somebody that's trained in music? Did you take lessons and theory and anything like that, or are you completely 100% self-taught? I'm self-taught. I yeah. uh, when I, I convinced my parents to get me a guitar when I was about 11 years old. I got my first guitar, and they bought me four lessons. And they said, the thing is, if we buy you the, le- the guitar and the lessons, you have to stick with the lessons, and you can't quit and give it up. You got to stick with it, and you got to practice 30 minutes a night. And yeah. so, you know, I was about 11 years old. I went to my first lesson. They're teaching me, you know, the proper way to hold the guitar and, you know, what, and which wasn't comfortable for me, you know, yeah. and they're teaching me, you know, Mary wrote her boat ashore and stuff like that. And I was like, that's not what I want to play, you know? <laughs> and um, so my mom, you know, I had, you know, sheet music back, back a long time ago when I was a kid that I was supposed to practice every night. Of course, I never read music, but I was starting to, they were trying to teach me. And I was like, I don't know if I want to do this. And my mom would, my mom would knock on the door and say, I, I don't hear any music coming out of that room. You better be practicing, you know? So I would just sit there and noodle around just to make some noise and do whatever I wanted. I wasn't going by my, by my lesson that I was supposed to be practicing. Yeah. And then finally something clicked and I started to learn how to play by ear, you know? Mm-hmm. And then after that, they couldn't shut me up, you know? <laughs> As the years have passed, though, have you ever thought about, well, or or ever or have you ever taken lessons from anybody you know because i know a lot of guys like myself included Mm -hmm. every now and then you know i'll find somebody you know and i'll take some lessons for them that was one of the good things about 
Well, one of the good things about the pandemic, there was yep. a lot of people, a lot of really good people you could take lessons from. Yeah. People that are normally are out on the road are, are now given lessons. Yeah, so, I've never, I've never, be honest with you, I've never taken any lessons. Just when I was a kid and got my first guitar, my parents signed me up for a month's worth of lessons. Yeah. It was like, I think 30 minutes or an hour a day, you know, once a week. And mm. by the time those lessons were over, I'd started to pick up how to play by ear. And then I never went to the lessons. I just started... What I would do is back then I'd have a tape deck. Yeah. I would want to learn a song. So I would listen to, you know, a little part of it, stop it, try to figure it out, rewind, play it again, try to figure it out. And I just taught myself how to play by ear. I never really took any lessons from anybody. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. So what are what do you, would you say though are some of the things that you did in the early days as a player that have helped make you the player that you are today? Um, I think, you know, playing live mm-hmm. and just getting out there and, you know, um, I was always a really shy kid growing up and music kind of helped me break some of my shy to I mean, sometimes I still get a little anxious and nervous before a show and, and it seems like it's the smaller shows. If we're playing a big festival, I'm fine, you know, but a little teeny club that's packed full of people or maybe has however many people in it, whatever, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. I'm more nervous for a show like that. But once you start playing, your nerves kind of go away. Um, but I, I, I think for me, facing my fear and just getting up on the stage and playing live throughout the years, you know, over the past couple of decades have helped me to become a better player and um, break out of my shy a little bit, you know, and, uh, um, you know, of course, recording. I've learned a lot, you know, recording albums in the studio. Every time I do an album, I learn something. Yeah. You know, um, knew about the guitar or recording or something. So, yeah. So, do you plan on? I know this album hasn't released in that. Do you plan on putting out another album in 2022? Um, I believe, I believe, and don't quote me, but I think that what we might do after this album is put out like a, a compilation mm. of stuff from all my eight albums. And that's been in, in the talks for like the next project. Yeah, and then um, possibly after that, I'll probably put out another studio album. Yeah. So it'll probably be another good year, year and a half before I, you know, probably back in the studio recording. Yeah, I, I could be wrong. Don't quote me. <laughs> but I mean, that's kind of been the the direction that we've been talking about going. Right. Well, you never know. You know, if if things don't, you know, get back to normal, you know, quick. Who knows? You know, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. You never really know. You know, they say life happens while you're making plans. So. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which that's, is kind of true. That's exactly the truth, man. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, Sean, I appreciate you taking, you know, this time and uh to chat with me. And uh the new album is uh that's what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it you is. Someone. Yeah, and I appreciate you having me, man, Jimmy. And it's been too long since we've spoke. Yeah. And uh congratulations on the success of your podcast, man. It's great. Yeah, it's it's going pretty good. You know? Yeah, yeah, that's remarkable, man. Keep it up, keep up the good work because we we need more people like you know guys like you that are spreading the word and 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 uh, turning people onto the music. You know, you're doing a great thing. I appreciate you having me on. Well, I appreciate. it. I wish you all the success with the album, Sean. And when you're in the Chicago region, let me know so I can come out and absolutely come out and play a couple. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. Yeah, be man, great. definitely. You know it. All right, man. Take care of yourself, okay? Take care, bud. All right. All right, Jimmy. Thank you. Yep. Bye. Bye-bye.
All right, there you go. Sean Chambers, hell of a nice guy, great player. Um, you want to make sure that you're going to seanchambers.com, pick up his new album, follow what he's doing, sign up for his mailing list, do whatever you got to do, you know, to help him out. Support live music. You know, guys like that, man, they need people like you and I to buy their CDs and come see their shows. You know what I mean? That's the difference between being the Rolling Stones and being Sean Chambers or Jimmy Warren. We need people. <laughs> they don't. <laughs> right? No, that's not true. Well, they need people too. Right? Mick Jagger needs some love as well, I guess. All right. So next week, man, you are in for a treat. You know, we've had all kinds of people on the show when it comes to the guitar and uh, this guy that's going to be here next week, Steve Stein, you might know him as the long-haired rock and roller on YouTube for Guitar Zoom that's teaching everybody how to play riffs and, you know, play solos when they've never played guitar and, you know, master classes. And, man, he was on YouTube uh, giving lessons and tutorials and things of that nature before anybody else. In that, and so uh, Steve Stein is uh, man. He is uh, is a whiz on guitar. I mean, an absolute whiz. The guy is a masterful player. He knows music inside and out. And I mean, there's nothing the guy can't do. But at the core of all of that, what makes it really, you know, really exceptional is the fact that he's a hell of a nice guy. You're really going to like him. So next week, join me when Steve Stein from Guitar Zoom is going to be right here on Guitar Talk. We want to thank you so much for tuning in today. Make sure you're uh, sticking with us at guitartalkofficial.com. Until next week with my guest Steve Stein, I'm Jimmy Warren. Stay safe, y'all. <laughs>